Exodus 31, let's uh, open our Bibles there if you're not there already. And uh, I'm just going to dive in because we'll, we'll read the, the first three verses here. And there's a lot here for us to consider, a lot of things that, that were kind of laid on my heart. And with the first verse, we'll kind of recap and set up where we are and just, just take it a verse at a time. So it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezael, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship. Let's read 4 and 5 too. To design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to do and, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Now again, verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, And we know that, that the Lord has been speaking to Moses, so now he's continuing to speak to Moses. So remember, Moses is, out, is up on Mount Sinai, and the Lord is giving Moses instruction. He's giving him commandments. He's giving him plans for the tabernacle that they are building, which was a... which was being built according to the heavenly tabernacle. He's giving instruction in, in, in regards to the priesthood, the roles of the priest, the garments of the priest, and so forth. He's also giving more revelation of himself to Moses and to us and, and, and other things as well. And so this is a continuation of what we've been looking at and a continuation of this instruction. And now we see some specific names being mentioned who the Lord has you know what, raised up and gifted and called to head up the building of this tabernacle and all the furniture in it and all of the garments and all these things we've been looking at the last several weeks, seeing pictures of, of Christ and all of these things and seeing, you know what, uh, a call to us to worship the Lord and, and to bring sacrifice of praise and prayer. And, and we, we've been talking, you know, about all that stuff. And so again, verse two, we, we see someone... And we'll see a few other names, and then there's mention of all these other artists and so forth. But in verse 2, because, um, you know what, most likely when all this is being instructed, Moses might have been thinking, who's going to build this stuff? You know, all the, the things intricately woven, and that great, great detail. And remember, all this stuff's being made, it's, it's just beautiful, and high-end materials and so forth. And we've talked about all the reasons for that. And, and the Lord, listen, where he gives instruction, where he guides he, he's always also going to provide, he's going to raise folks up and so forth. And so he says, see, I have called by name Bezael, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. So notice here, he mentions this guy by name, and he says, I called him by name. Let's talk a little bit about him. It seems that most likely he's a younger man, because not long before this, we had seen the Amorites coming, or the Amalekites coming against Israel, and remember Moses uh, went up on a high point, and Aaron and Hur, remember, helped undergird his arms, because when he lifted his hands up to the Lord, Israel prevailed, and when his hands went down, the enemies of God prevailed. And it's a picture of prayer, and we, we, we talked about that, a glorious picture of prayer, how when we're relying upon the Lord, we look to the Lord, we, we're going to have victory, and when our eyes get off him and we want to start walking in our own strength, there's going to be a lot of challenges and so forth. And the enemy can easily get an upper hand. And so it was Aaron, Moses' brother, and her, 
And Moses and, and Aaron are, you know, at, at this point in their 80s, uh, we know from the timetables given, and we can think that perhaps Ur or her is around that uh, age somewhere in there maybe as well. And we see this man, Beziel, that's been called, he's Hur's grandson, as we see three, you know what, uh, generations laid out here. Now, we don't know their ages. We don't know if Hur had his son when he was, you know what, 18 or when he was, you know what, 28 or when he was 48 or whatever. Uh, but we know there's at least three generations here. And so we can, I think, you know, not go out on a huge limb to realize this guy's, you know, at least of the younger third generation, and, and he's a younger man. And I think that's something, you know, for us to just camp on for a second and consider, um, because absolutely, uh, the Lord wants to use young people. He wants to use older people as well. Obviously, Moses and Aaron were older, and Moses was thinking at this point, hey, God's done using me. I'm out here in the wilderness, and God had already said, I'm not done using you. Now I'm, t- now I'm ready to really use you. You know, from 80 to uh, buck 20, the Lord used them quite a bit. <laughs> and so um, we talked a lot about this, how it, 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 it you know, it, the Lord doesn't look at numbers. He's looking at heart. But we see this as a younger man. And I, I think maybe this kind of hits home with me right now because my son, you know, uh, turned 20 years old not long ago. And uh, we've been talking a lot, and we just had a, just a, a great talk the other night of how, listen, God's calling you from, from, from being a young man to being a man now. And this needs to be your focus. And, and in that, listen, God's given you gifts, and, and there's callings on his life that he's recognizing and so forth. And I just said, listen, you need to make it your aim to, to mature and grow in the Lord. And we talk practically, you know, how that comes about. And absolutely, to not look at yourself, try not to look at yourself as a young man, but as a man, and not have others despise your youth. Now, with that said, the council would be wrong to say, hey, you know what, I'm, you know, with a, with a prideful attitude of, uh, don't look at me as a young guy, I'm a man. That's not what is being shared, because Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one despise your youth, but then he tacks on, but be an example to the believers in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, and a whole much more instruction comes after that. So don't let them despise your youth in the sense of just discounting you because you're young or, you know, them, certain people despising just that age group because of the age group. And then retaliating with, you're not supposed to do that because the Bible says, let no one despise my youth, but don't let them despise your youth in that you're being an example of what a Christian should be. And so the focus isn't on others despising you, but don't give them opportunity to despise you because you're growing in the Lord, because the Lord's before you. And really, I think across the board, that should be the case because I've found at this point, no matter how old I am, there's certain people that despise me, you know? It's just, it's just a fallen world. But we shouldn't be all up in arms that someone's despising us who we feel they shouldn't be despising us. But our aim should be, let me grow in the Lord. So if they're despising me, it's not because of, you know, of, of bad behavior, but hopefully it's because I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm being an example of what it is to, to you know what, 
walk with the Lord and is seen in my words and my conduct and my love, my spirit, my faith, and my purity. And so, again, across the board, no matter what demographic you fall in on any scale, we want it to be our aim that we're not despised uh, or we can't be despised because we're honoring and we're growing in the Lord and we're an example of Christ. And if someone wants to despise us for that, well, then God's glorified. But let's not get it up in arms when we're just despised because people are going to despise us. Let's make it our aim to grow in the Lord and represent God and be more focused on that. So I hope you're not more confused than before we got here. Um, but just the fact that he was a younger guy, and I know even tonight, we, we got a lot of younger people in here. I know, look around, and there's younger couples in here, and, you know, we got a pretty wide spectrum, which is awesome. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of different ethnicities and, and ages and young adults and so forth. And to you guys that are younger especially, listen, you know what, enjoy your youth, but embrace that call. And, and no matter where you are, whether older or younger, don't discount how God wants to use you. Because he wants to use you to his glory. And if we're walking in what he's called us to, he is using us, whether it's despised or acknowledged or whatever. And boy, isn't that a glorious thing. And so here's an old guy, and God's telling the old guy, I'm going to use a young guy to do this. But in all of it, it's to the glory of God Almighty. And that's a beautiful thing. And so it seems as well about this guy, uh, Bazael, that... His father, Uri, and her, it, 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 seems, it seems to be implied that he's been raised up in the Lord and has even been prepped in being raised up in the Lord to serve the Lord. Because it's, this guy's got to get on the job right now and what the Lord's calling him to do, it, it's not just craftsmanship, but there's a spiritual side of this as well because the Lord's going to fill him with the Spirit of God to be able to do this. And so it seems that He's already in place where he's already doing this. And that seems to be because his father and his grandfather that are named here have instilled this in him. And so, you know, talking about the younger, now let's talk about us raising the younger. And just an encouragement and a reminder, you know what, that we want to be a people absolutely raising our children in the Lord. And that's the very best thing that we can give to them. And uh, I think we need to be reminded of that because even as believers, sometimes we can get more caught up in, you know, maybe their, their uh, you know, what, education in the, in, the, in the sense of reading, writing, and arithmetic and all their activities and all the stuff that they're involved in, which, you know, there, there's, there's a place for all those things if the Lord is first, but the, but the highest call we have is to raise them in the Lord that they would love Jesus, that they would know the Lord themselves, that it wouldn't be they have a relationship with the Lord through us, but they would have their own relationship. And they'd be learning what it is to walk in the Lord and to grow in the Lord. And I, I, I'm not going to read it, but I think about Timothy. And again, in 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 7, Paul talks about his mother and grandmother had that faith. And you see, it seems these women are raising this young man, but they're raising him in the Lord. And, and what, a, what a glorious thing. And uh, so I just encourage you tonight uh, with your children to continue to raise them in the Lord. And, and I'm, I'm guessing you're here in part because you're doing that. And it's, it's an it's a aim for you to even add to the, a supplement to what they're getting at home in youth group tonight or in their class or if they're in here or whatever. Um, in this as well, again, we see that he's being called by name and, and let's make some more application. Praise God. He calls us by name as well, doesn't he? I mean, he calls us. 
I, I love Romans 8.28 down through 30. It says, and we know that he works all things together for good for those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of a son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, we know it's his desire that all men would come to salvation. The Bible talks about in John 3, the light came into the world. And it speaks of many that fled from the light because they loved the darkness over the light but this i do know is that he called me and i know if you know him tonight that he called you and if he ever called us in the first place guess what ain't one of us in this room would have salvation because you better believe that he's the active party in whoever gets born again because he's the one that pursued us actively he's the one that went to the cross and died on the uh, on it for us and rose from the grave and he's the one that sent his holy spirit to convict us of sin righteousness and judgment and he absolutely knows your name and the number of hairs on your head. And he called you to himself by name. Isn't that a glorious thing? And I'll tell you, just, just as he, he, he called him by name and he's called us by name. And we see these giftings as well. Listen, he called us by name and he's bestowed gifts on us as well. Every single one of us. First uh, Peter 4.10 uh, says, and each one has received a gift. And as each one has, ministered to get, has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the, of the manifold grace of God. And, boy, it took a lot to get that verse out. Um, each one of us has received a gift, a gift, and so he says, be a good steward of it. And listen, there's spiritual gifts he's given to us. He's given us practical gifts, because even with this uh, man, Beziel and these others, there's a, there's a practical side of his gifting. There's a spiritual side of it. He's given us those. He's given us material gifts. Uh, you know what? The shirt on your back tonight is a material gift from God. Any money you got in your pocket, your home, all those sorts of things. And he's given us the gift of days and times and seasons. And listen, as we receive these gifts, we want to be good stewards of these things. Because they're all given, it, given to us, why? Through the grace of God. Our salvation is by the grace of God. This day has been given to us by the grace of God. Our gifts have been given to us by the grace of God. And, and we're getting, being, being given encouragement here. He's called us by name. He's given us these gifts. We want to go and we want to use them. Real quickly here, and, and I, I, I talk about this from time to time. I've done whole sermons on it. But I think it's important from time to time we bring this in because sometimes we come to these places and there'll be people who go, well, what's my gift? I don't know what it is. And I always want to give you a pra- some practical tools to help you find your gift. And so you're going to get the really short, abbreviated version. I'm going to give you four things. And some of you have been here a long time. You've heard this a lot of times. I'll give you four things. I'm not saying there's not more than four because I know there are, but four major things to help you find what your spiritual gift is. And it's on some online, on, online survey that's been put together by some psychologist so you can figure that out. This is scripture, okay? This is a scriptural guidance to help you figure out what your gifts are if you don't know. So number one, desire from delight. And this is perfect because, Lord willing, we're going to look at this verse on Sunday, Psalm 37. We'll probably get about 10 verses in it because it's an awesome psalm. But Psalm 37, 4, it says, delight yourself also in the Lord 
and he shall give you the desire of your heart. Now with that said, in 1 Corinthians 9.16, Paul says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. And then in Jeremiah 20, it's verse 7 through 9, but basically in the course of this, Jeremiah says in verse 9, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire. And he talks about saying, I'm not going to preach the word anymore because I'm getting beat up, but it was in my heart like a burning fire. It was a necessity. And these are both men that delighted themselves in the Lord. And as they delighted themselves in the Lord, the Lord put a burning in them, a necessity on them, a, 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 a unction to say, I need to go preach the gospel. Because as they delighted themselves in the Lord, again, God gave them to the desire to show them that he had called them to go and to be evangelists, to be preachers, and so forth. And if you really want to know you, what your gifts are, it's going to start by you delighting yourself in the Lord. We're talking about the Sunday, Lord willing, how a lot of people will cut that verse down and they'll say, well, he'll give you the desires of, your, desires of your heart. Yes, if you delight yourself in the Lord. Because if we don't delight ourselves in the Lord, then we're going to you know, delight ourselves in ourselves. And those desires are not going to come from God. But the more you delight yourself in the Lord and worshiping Him and going before Him and saying, God, show me. And you rejoice in the Lord and you, you, you lay your will down. I guarantee you the Lord will begin to lay a necessity upon you. He'll begin to lay a fire upon you. He will begin to lay an unction on you in the area that He has gifted you in. But if you don't want to delight yourself in Him, and you say, well, I want to just do an online survey or someone just to tell me, uh, and someone may come and tell you, look, I, I kind of see these attributes. Listen, biblically, delight yourself in him, and he'll begin to reveal that to you. Secondly, the Lord's going to open doors for you. Listen, God's up, or Moses is up before the Lord, and, and God says, this guy, Beziel, this is the guy I'm calling to do this. The Lord is opening a door. Proverbs eighteen sixteen: a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. So he's going to, if you start delighting yourself in the Lord, the Lord will begin to put an unction upon you, and then he will begin to open a door. What you need to do is wait, you need to look, you need to pray, and then you need to go. And if you find yourself, again, campaigning, um, I would encourage you not to do that. It's not that you can't share with others, you know, once you know what your gifts are. Hey, these are my gifts and so forth. Uh, not saying that at all, because sometimes people need to know what your gifts are to help put you into, you know, at a place of service. But if you're more having to campaign and convince and, you know, manipulate and try to get into a place, I would encourage you to step back from that and know, listen, God is going to give you gifts and then he's going to open up doors. I never had to campaign to teach a Bible study. I never had to campaign to have opportunity to share the gospel, to be an evangelist. The Lord just opened doors, and, and um, I think he did that in part because uh, when I got saved, it was, a, it was a radical salvation, and I only wanted to delight myself in the Lord. Didn't always do it, but that was a desire in my heart, and he opened those doors up, and uh, it, it had to have been the Lord opening up because I looked like a freak, and looked like I'd stab you and take your money, and yet the Lord's opening doors for me to preach Bible studies. You're like, you still look like that. Uh, maybe the older version. And it, it, it's like, that's the Lord. But it's scriptural. The Lord will open those doors. He'll begin to give the opportunities and so forth. Three, quickly, listen, there's a talent that's bestowed upon you by the Holy Spirit. 
Matthew 25, 14. For the kingdom of God is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Uh, and to one he gave five talents, another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on his journey. It's a gift. It's called a talent. Uh, there, there's, you know, there, there's a bit of an ease in it. It's something that, again, God puts an unction on your heart, a door opens, and you find that there's some supernatural abilities there. I'm not going to say natural abilities, but there's some supernatural abilities because it's the Holy Spirit giving you that gift and the Holy Spirit is involved in it. It does not mean that the gift doesn't need to be developed because, listen, it does. And, and I know the gifts he's given to me, they're still in development. We're still working on them. But I remember the first time I got opportunity to, to teach a Bible study. It, 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 he laid things on my heart. Uh, there was work involved, absolutely. But I, I found there was a bit of an ease in it, and it blew me away because I never thought I would be talking in front of people. Back then, I didn't even like people, and I didn't like talking. But the Lord, uh, when he's involved in it, he, 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 he brings a talent in it. And then with that as well, fourthly, there's going to be some fruit. Um, Matthew seven eighteen: a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree, does not bear good, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down but thrown to the fire. And I probably should just skip to this, verse 20, therefore by their fruits you'll know them. And so there's fruit, and if you got a call to teaching, guess what? At the end of the Bible study, there's going to be someone that was taught. And if someone's taught, then that's some fruit that there was some teaching, and we want to look at that. Because if you think, hey, I'm called to this certain area, but, you know, you're like, uh, you know what? I'm called to helps, but every time that you go to help, people need help to come in after you helped to fix what you thought you were going to help. You might have a different gifting, and, and so on and so forth. There's going to be some fruit there to God's glory. And again, it's all to God's glory, amen? It's all to His praise. These are His gifts. And first and foremost, He's glorified Him, and He's honored Him. If there's anything that's happened in there, it's because God's involved. But I want to tell you tonight, if you know what your gifts are, be about God's business. Be a good steward with them. Listen, if you've been burying them, it's time to dig that up. And it's interesting uh, because as we, we talked about Timothy being raised by his mother and grandmother in the Lord, Paul then says, stir up the gifts that were given to you through the laying on of hands. Stir them up. And so if you know what your gifts are, listen, and you're not using them, you're not being a good steward of them, let's get those stirred up tonight. Get them undug and get them operating. Amen. And, and if you don't know what they are, then begin to delight yourself in the Lord and ask Him. Listen, that's a prayer God's going to answer if you go before Him in sincerity and say, Lord, I, I delight in you. You're my Lord, and I want to serve you. Please begin to lay on my heart and, and put an unction in me. Begin to, to, to press upon me what you would have for me and begin to open some doors to give me opportunity. And uh, the Bible talks about different giftings, different ministries and applications and, and you know what, he'll begin to show you that, and I'm confident he'll begin to open those doors. Verse 3, and we're going to spend some more time in the front of this. Um, it, says, it says, I have filled them with the Spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship. And listen, whatever he calls us to and whatever gifts he's given to us, then he wants to empower us and he wants to equip us to walk in them if we'll simply let him. It doesn't say I've called Be, uh, Bazelli to do this, and now good luck, fumbles. 
But no, he says, I've called them to do this, and now I'm going to empower them with the Holy Spirit of God to go out and do it. And he's going to do it well. And it needed to be done well because we've looked at all the details of this stuff. We're, we're talking about high-end carpentry and, and cutting of jewels. And, and I mean, this is some intimidating stuff. But he says, I'm going to give them with the Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to fill them, and I'm going to give them wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship. And I'll tell you, all those gifts that God's given us, he wants to empower us with the Holy Spirit of God to go use those gifts to his glory. And we got to understand that baptism of the Holy Spirit, the primary purpose of it, you know what it was? To empower them in the giftings that God had given to them. To empower them to go out and to be a witness. He said, go wait on high, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're baptized, then you're going to go out and be my witnesses. You're going to go out and you're going to be that in the power of God. And boy, the power of God came on that day of Pentecost. 3,000 people got saved. That's some awesome evangelism. But it was happening because the Spirit of God now was empowering them to go out and to do what God had called them to do. And in the gifts that God has given to you, it is of utmost importance that you are asking God daily to empower you with this Holy Spirit to walk in those gifts. And if there's things going on in your life that's grieving the work of the Spirit of God, that you are bringing those before the Lord and being honest with Him and bringing that before Him so that He can empower you to walk in victory, to press forward, to not grow weary, and then to absolutely strengthen you. And I don't want to do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. I do not want to come into this pulpit any time without the Spirit of the living God and knowing that, that, that I've asked for that empowerment and that strength and I have a dependency upon Him. I don't ever want to be in the place of, you know what, I've been teaching Bible studies for 25 years, Holy Spirit, sit this one out. No, I need the Spirit of the living God, and I want to be dependent upon Him in every single thing. And I hope and pray that you guys get that and you understand that, because I think sometimes people start burying their gifts because they, they, they start forgetting that the Spirit of God wants to empower them. And if we want to go and do the work of God without God... We are going to burn out really, really, really quickly, and there is going to be a lack of fruit, and it is going to be fumbles trying to do something when God says, let me empower you, let me strengthen you, so that all the more you give the glory of God because you, you, you're doing this, but you know, listen, God's doing this. God's, God gets the glory. It's God's gifting. It's, it's, it's to Him. And so this is where the Lord says, if you, your kids... If you're evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And hear this tonight, the baptism of the Spirit of God is not a one-time thing. And it's a big mistake when people think that. And I know people use different words and verbiage and so forth. But in Acts 2, they were filled with the Spirit of God. And guess what? In Acts 4, you know what happened? The same group was refilled with the Spirit of God. And it's a daily thing. Lord, fill me with your spirit today. Empower me with your spirit. I want to walk under the guidance of the spirit of God. I want to take my thoughts captive to, to the word of God. And I want to be led by the spirit of God through the word of God. But empower me with your spirit. I think it's a daily thing where, you know what? I, I had something before me today and I had to go talk to someone that I, I wasn't really looking forward to. I've been praying about it a long time. And I took that long walk. And it was a short walk, but it seemed like a really, really long walk. You know those walks? As I'm walking, I'm like, Lord, please fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. Please go before me right now. Because I don't, if, my, if I speak my mind and my words, it's not going to be good. 
And guess what? God blessed it. I was blown away with what happened to his glory and his praise. Notice as well, he also wants to bestow on us wisdom and understanding and knowledge. We find those things from the word of God, so we want to be seeking that in the word of God. But we're also directed to ask for these things. If we lack wisdom, if we ask, he wants to bestow it upon us generously. And notice as well, all manner of workmanship. And this is speaking of craftsmanship, but it's also speaking of going to work. It wasn't we're just going to get the plans and roll them out and talk about it forever and, you know what, consider and draw new plans and do all this stuff. No, we're going to roll out the plans. We're going to look at it. We're going to pray. We're going to get a game plan. And then you know what we're going to do? We're going to go out and we're going to go to work. We're going to put these plans into action. And listen, wisdom and understanding and knowledge, they're of no good if you do not put them to work. We are not called just to be hearers, but we are called to be doers of the word of God. Colossians 3.23, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. And I'll tell you, to know the right thing to do, as we finished James recently, we were reminded of this, and not to do it, it is sin. Therefore to him, James 4.17, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. And so we know, listen, doing good isn't just not doing bad. And if that's what you think doing good is, you're, you only got, it's a cup half fill. And a lot of people think, oh, I do good because I don't do bad. Listen, doing good is going out and doing. Doing what calls, God's called you to do. It's not just bearing your gift and saying, well, I'm not doing bad things. Listen, your gift's buried. It's time to get it out and go do. And to know you're supposed to do and not do it, it's sin. So God's strengthening with all this, plus workmanship, which is craftsmanship. But listen, craftsmanship is not craftsmanship if there's no crafting going on. So we got to go to work. And it's a glorious thing. This is a glorious thing to be using your gifts. And listen, if you're like, I don't know what they are right now, so I'm missing out on that glory. Listen, all the more pray then because that's a gift from God too. And get on your knees and then you're not doing nothing. You're doing something. You're calling out to God. And, and, and in fact, that's probably the best thing any of us can do. So uh, worksmanship, verse 4, to design artistic works, to work in gold, silver, bronze, and cutting jewels for settings and carving wood, and to work all manners of workmanship. And again, this guy was obviously gloriously uh, endowed and gifted and God had raised them up. And again, this wasn't just a building project. This had to do with the worship of the living God. There was a huge spiritual aspect of all of this. Um, so God's supplying the plans, the materials, the workers. And it goes back to that old saying we've heard so long where he guides, he provides. Notice verse 6. And I indeed, I have appointed with them Aholiab, the son of uh, Ahishamach of the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in their hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I've commanded you. And we got a tribe of Dan spotting here, which is a rare thing in the scripture because Dan had a lot of issues. Kind of their highlighted guy is, is Samson, <laughs> you know. And, but here's a guy from the tribe of Dan who he says, I've appointed him as well, uh, along with a whole lot of other artisans to come with this craftsmanship, with this endowment, with the spirit of the living God. And listen, he could have just used this one man and, and God can 
God can do whatever he wants with no men, <laughs> with one man, or, or, you know, a thousand men. Um, and we got to remember that because there's going to be some times where it, it might be a standing alone. But if the Lord's standing with you, the scripture says one will put a thousand to flight if, if our eyes are on the Lord. Amen. But ideally, biblically, it's God's desire that, that he would raise us up, that others would get raised up to come alongside and, and the, the ministry would grow all the more to the glory of God. And I think of 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, and we're, we're in Timothy a lot, and these things absolutely relate. He says, all these things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So what you've been given, commit to others. And we see this. Here's this guy called really to lead in this. Someone else called to come alongside, and then all these others that would be raised up. And what's the aim in all of it? Notice here at the end, uh, that they may make all that I have commanded you. And so let's make sure that's in all of it. In all of it, in all of our gifts as, as, a, uh, as, a, as, a, as a church and in the body of Christ, let's make our aim now in the gifts he's given us to be doing what he's commanded us to do and not taking those to say, well, that's good, but we want to do what we want to do. And... Uh, Never can go wrong saying we want to be led by the Lord because his ways are so much better than ours. Now, 7 through, through uh, 11, it says uh, the tabernacle of meeting, and we get a recap here, the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is on it and all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstand with all its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings with all its utensils and the laver and its base the garments of ministry, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of the sons to minister as priests, and the anointing oil and the sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. Now, again, we've gotten details of all this stuff over the last several chapters, but now the Lord recaps it all, and he reminds Moses of all of it. And uh, as I consider that, I just thought of how oftentimes we can be tempted to to, you know, go through the scripture and it's all there, but we can maybe just focus on certain pet commandments or doctrines and maybe not focus on, on other things. And we get a recap of all of it. And it doesn't say, and this is more important than that, but all of it's important. And, you know, Paul talked to those in Ephesus in Acts 20 about, I've, I've declared to you the whole counsel of God. And listen, all of it's important. And it's all being recapped here, so perhaps maybe Moses was thinking more about one thing than another, and it's all laid out, do all that I commanded you, all of it's important. And so let's make sure in our walk, if we're in a place where we're just focused on certain doctrines while ignoring others, or certain commandments by ignoring others, let's make sure that we're looking at all the Scripture, and sometimes it's easy to get so focused in one certain area, it's almost like a rabbit trail, and you start, you, you start forgetting what this is all about in the first place, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so again, we want balance in the call that God's placed on us, and our Bible study, and the things we think on, and the things we're talking about, and the things we're praying about, and so forth. Uh, that's a healthy walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, the reiteration at the end, according to all that I've commanded you, they shall do. Now notice 12 through 14, actually through the end of the chapter, which isn't too much longer, the Lord reemphasizes the Sabbath again. 
In verse 12 through 14, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths, and notice it's pluralized, you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you, and you shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it uh, shall surely be put to death, for who does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Now, we've talked a lot about this. And so I want to more recap some stuff tonight. Notice he says, my Sabbath, with an S. Listen, the Sabbath biblically is more than just the seventh day. The Sabbath is more biblically in the Old Covenant than uh, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. The Bible talks about high days. There'd be some times when there was an additional Sabbath. We talked about in this chapter or in this book, and it gets it, it's more detail later on, uh, Every seventh year was a type of Sabbath where the lamb was to rest. And then every 50 year, 50 year was a year of jubilee where lands went back. It was another type of Sabbath. And I just throw this out there because every once in a while I run into somebody that says, listen, you have to keep the Sabbath to be right with God. And I, 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 at times I'm tempted and sometimes I've talked to people. I said, what do you mean Sabbath? It ain't Sabbath, it's Sabbaths. You're keeping the Sabbaths. Well, I keep the Sabbath, sundown to, you know, sundown, I don't do anything. Well, listen, the scripture doesn't say Sabbath, this is the Sabbath. Every seventh year, you take that, you know, you're, you're not farming your land, or are you, you know, you're releasing people that owe you money every Sabbath, every 50th year, you, you know, you're going to give your house back to who you bought it from, even though it's paid off, you know, what, do, what are you talking about, Sabbath, Sabbaths. And I point that out because it's a foolish thing to ever think it's Jesus plus me doing anything to save me, that's a false gospel. But again, there are certain pet doctrines and commandments that people like to say, listen, we do Jesus plus we keep this and that's why we're saved. And if that's your mindset, no matter what it is, that's not going to save you. The only thing that's going to save you is Jesus Christ and your faith in him. And in fact, if you want to say I'm saved plus Jesus plus the Sabbath, listen, it doesn't start, it doesn't end there and it doesn't end just in with Sabbaths. You got to keep all the law then. And this is scriptural. Galatians 3.10, for as many as our works, as many are as of works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. The just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. So if you're saying it's Jesus plus the Sabbath, it's the Sabbath plus all the law, you have to fulfill all of it to be right with God. And guess what? We come out of the womb as lawbreakers. And those laws, once they're broken, they need to be covered by something. <laughs> and yet we got people running around in, in, in groups, and there's even kind of a growing mindset in parts of the body of Christ that these Sabbaths and Sabbath are the things that complete our salvation. But the beautiful thing is we have a picture of Christ here in the Sabbath. Notice he says there in verse 13, it's a sign between me and you. And indeed, it was a sign to Israel, not just for themselves, but to share with the world. Just as we have the gospel as a church to share with the world, it was a sign to Israel. What's a sign do? A sign points you to something, right? That's what a sign does. It conveys information. A sign points you to something. And it was a sign to Israel that pointed them to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Colossians 2.16. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding festival, new moon, or Sabbaths, which are the shadow of the things to come, but the substance is of Christ. And they were told, you have to rest and you to, 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 to you know what, it, you need to rest on the seventh day, but what that was telling them is you need to come to a place of rest where you cease working, and Jesus Christ is our rest, and when we put our faith in him, now we have rest, we are saved now by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is our rest, we rest from works that cannot save us, and we rest from sin that damns us to hell. And this was nothing but a sign to point them, a shadow to point them to the substance, the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 11, 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Quickly here. He says if they don't do it, they're going to die. And we read that. And I'll tell you tonight, if you don't embrace the substance that the shadow points to you, points to you too will die the second death. But if we embrace the substance, the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are keeping the Sabbath in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Sabbath is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And boy, what a tragic thing, people running around thinking it's Jesus plus the Sabbath. And in doing that, they're doing the exact opposite thing that the Sabbath taught. They're working and they're not resting. (laughs) I'm working by keeping the Sabbath. No, you come to the Lord, and then now you are actually at rest. How ironic. Quickly here, 15, and I, I want to give us, you know, before the kids get out, a, a few minutes for some prayer. Um, 15 through 17, work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. I've heard people threaten people to kill them if they don't start working. He says, if you don't, if, if you work, you're going to die. This is a gift from God to them, really. I mean, what a glorious thing. I mean, I have to rest? That's pretty awesome. 16, therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. And again, we have the new covenant now, and it is kept through faith in Christ Jesus. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. On the seventh day he rested and he was and was refreshed. And earlier in Exodus we talked about the teaching here that shows us that the creation was literally 24 hours. Because he counts the Sabbath as a literal 24 hour period. And what was being taught to them for this 24 hours you are to rest. And so we interpret scripture with scripture. The six day creation is six literal 24-hour days. I had someone tell me recently, I studied all of those words in ancient texts, and I think it's a period of time. Each of those days are thousands and thousands of years. And I go, so then God, God's the, uh, cause, God is the one that, that brought forth death? Like, what do you mean? I go, well, death came when Adam sinned. And they're like, you got a really good point. And, and this all happened at the Bible college they went through. I'm like, no one brought up that point in a Bible college? I digress because I'll probably get in trouble if I keep talking. But listen, he uses it in an example. In the sixth day, the Lord rest. And notice, he rested and was refreshed. 
It says God was refreshed. And again, obviously, this, this is to teach us something. The, the Sabbath was given to them so that they could be refreshed. But again, the Sabbath is in Christ. Because refreshing, true refreshing only comes from one place. It's Jesus Christ. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. That's the only place you're going to find rest. That's the only place you're going to find refreshment. The Lord Jesus Christ. God Almighty. You know what? Obviously the Father, the Holy Spirit, but we come in through Christ and what he's done for us. And now practically, just to bring this full circle, listen, practically, if you want to keep the Sabbath, if you say, listen, I like the idea of six days work and one day where we don't do anything, I, I actually think that's a glorious thing. Boy, a good day off is a wonderful thing, is it not? And I think it's biblical. It, it's not, we have freedom in Christ. It's not mandated. If that's your conviction, Take it, rest in it, rest under the Lord, but don't you dare ever take that and start trying to put it over someone else saying you're more, you'll be more spiritual if you do it like me. And if you say the only way to be saved is to do it like me, then you are a cult member and you need to repent and you are not born again by the biblical definitions of salvation by grace through faith and not of works. But Romans 14, 5 to 6, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike, let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And notice here, he who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, I love this, to the Lord, he does not observe it. <laughs> We're observing the Sabbath well, under the Lord. Well, I'm not observing it under the Lord. I got some stuff to go do. Ah! Let's go by the scriptures here. Because listen, I'm, 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 on the, I'm my Sabbath right now. I'm working right now. But I am honoring the Sabbath right now because I have ceased from trying to work to save myself. And absolutely, I am forgiven of my sins that damn me. We're honoring the Sabbath on a Wednesday night. Isn't that a glorious thing? Isn't it good to rest in Him and to know it is finished because Jesus has done the work that I could never do? And listen, if you want to take your Sabbath tomorrow, take it unto the Lord. Listen, enjoy that day off. And tomorrow, you're like, I'm, I'm working. Then work unto the Lord and enjoy the Lord. Verse 18, we'll close on this. And when he had made uh, an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. And we'll, we're going to get into 32, Lord willing, next week. And we're going to see these stones. They break. <laughs> Uh, because of what's been going on, why Moses has been up there. But notice, they're written by the finger of God. And absolutely, the, it's, it's the word of God written by the hand of God. And I'll just close with this, Second Peter 1.19. And so we have the prophetic word, confirm, which you will do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And again, this is being assembled as the Spirit of God's moved upon Moses, and the Word of God absolutely was written as the Holy Spirit moved upon men. It's a, not a private interpretation, which means a lot of meanings there. But again, like we did tonight, notice we looked at this, and what was our primary commentary? 
It was the word of God, right? Because chapter 31 is out of a private interpretation. We look at it in the totality of Scripture. And verse 3 is not a private interpretation. We look at it in the totality of Scripture. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And what I hope is when we go through the word, you know, not only are we learning what's before us, but you're learning how to study the Bible because we study the Bible with the Bible. When people start isolating scriptures and building doctrines around it, you're going to get false teaching. We interpret scripture with scripture because Satan tried to do that with Jesus, right? It is written. He's pulling it out of context, trying to make it a private thing. It all goes together. Heavenly Father, we praise you tonight. We thank you for who you are. We want to pray, God, that, Lord, we we can take a little bit of time here and and get into some groups and pray. And if any got to take off, bless them tonight as they go. Jesus, we thank you that you are our rest. We thank you that you are our Sabbath. You are our salvation. Let's rejoice in that tonight. And listen, if you don't know the Lord, he's calling you to himself to rest. He's calling you tonight to forgiveness, to salvation. He died on the cross and rose from the grave to make that way to purchase us out of our sin, out of our debt, and to absolutely have righteousness and justification before God Almighty by grace through faith in Him. And so listen, I'm going to be up here tonight. If, 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 if you've called on Him, I'd love to pray with you. If you say, I want to know more, I want to be up here tonight. Uh, and, and uh, you know, let's... let's uh, Leave here with the joy of the Lord, and absolutely, we praise you, God, and we glorify you in Jesus' name, amen. So again, the kids, kids won't be out for about seven, eight, ten minutes or so. If you guys want to get in some groups and pray, if you got to get going, God bless you, and, um, and have a great night in the Lord.